Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing here. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. I want to begin this morning by showing you a picture of someone. Now, my assumption is that the majority of the room has no idea who this gentleman is. And to be honest with you, until about five days ago, I had no idea who this gentleman actually is. This is a man by the name of Al Alvin Toffler. And in 1970, Alvin Toffler popularized the phrase information overload. So you may not be familiar with Alvin, but you've definitely heard of a phrase that he brought into the limelight. If you've been living under a rock for the past few years and don't know the phrase information overload, it's the notion that on a regular basis, specifically for us here in America, we have more coming at us than the brain can actually handle. Because if we're honest, more often than not as Americans, here, here's where we find ourselves on any given day. We're sitting on our couch, we're sitting in a chair, and we're looking at our television watching cable or Netflix or Hulu while we have a laptop open with about six search tabs that we're navigating through. Oh, and there's this thing called the smartphone that we're receiving text messages from and notifications from as we have music playing in the background while we're probably scrolling Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Periscope, all while trying to have a meaningful conversation with the person sitting beside us. <laughs> that is the epitome of information overload. Amen. And the statistics support it. This blew my mind. Studies have been done. And from the years 2008 to 2012, the average American's media intake consumption grew by 5% per year. So from 2008, 2009, 5% growth. 2009, 2010, 5% growth and so on. But since 2013, the average American's media consumption has increased to 18% per year. And if we're being honest, I'll tell you why. This thing. My wife believes this is a tool of the devil. You know, we're up here all the time preaching these sermons, assuming that when you're looking at your phone, you're taking notes. 
But I'm very much aware that some people are on Facebook, some people are texting somebody else, some people are looking at menus of the restaurant you're going to for lunch, but I'm just going to pretend you're taking some serious notes as God speaks to you. The thing that information overload impacts the most is the ability for our heart and our mind to focus. You see, we have more information coming at us than ever before. And that creates an incredible challenge for us to stay focused on what matters the most. But here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the scriptures. And here's what we're going to understand and be reminded of. That in the midst of the noise and the voices and the media and the to-do lists and the technology and all of those things that Mr. Toffler talked a lot about, God still desires to speak to us. If you're visiting with us, we're in a series right now navigating through some defining moments in the book of 1 Samuel. It's a series we've called Blast from the Past. And we kicked it off last week with a great message from Pastor Vance, and he gave you the first lesson of the series. I want to go ahead right now and give you lesson number two. And it's the lesson that we're going to spend our time today from God's Word really unpacking. So here's our lesson from the book of 1 Samuel for today. In the midst of our busy lives, nothing is more important than listening to what God has to say to us. In the midst of the chaos and the complexity and the hectic schedules, Nothing is more critical, nothing is more important than listening to what God has to say to us as his children. So look with me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I want to begin by reading verse 1. And we're going to read the rest of this chapter in just a moment, but there's something in verse 1 that I'll be honest with you, when I read it, it stopped me. And if you're just casually reading through the scriptures, this would be something potentially you would just glaze right over. But I believe there's something significant in verse 1 that I want to talk about for just a moment. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel, and historians believe he was a teenager at this point, was ministering to the Lord before Eli. Samuel served Eli in the temple, really just doing chores for him on a regular basis. And word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. When I read that a couple weeks ago, it just kind of stopped me. Because scripture saying here, that messages from God, God speaking to his people, was not happening very often. Revelation from God was not happening very much. Well, why was that the case? Well, you see, in this day and age, 
God was not speaking to his people because spiritual leadership was corrupt. And his people were not obeying what he had already told them. So why should he tell them something new? This context was a tragic day in Israel when God was no longer speaking messages to his people. The silence of God was the judgment of God because of their disobedience. When writing about this context, Henry Blackaby said this, The word of the Lord was very rare. Also, the scripture says that in those days there was no widespread revelation. The revelation of God should have been the way in which God's people functioned. Instead, there was no open revelation. It was not happening. Though all the religious leaders were in place, doing their duties, the people were not receiving a word from God. And as I just kind of reflected on this reality of the context that is going on here in chapter 3, God just put this statement on my heart. Be careful of being so occupied with doing the Lord's work that you fail to pay attention to His voice. You see, in this context, the temple was there, the religious leaders were there, the structure was in place. But at some point, they became so consumed with the Lord's work and themselves that they stopped paying attention to the Lord's voice. Let's read on, starting in verse 2, because it's in that context that God spoke to Samuel. Let's start in verse 2. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. And then there's a note here. Now his eyesight had, been, had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So we went and lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli realized what happened. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant Is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Verse 10. Then the Lord came and stood, meaning Samuel could sense his presence, and called at other time as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, 
I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. Verse 14. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the door, doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. He said, what is the word? That he spoke to you. Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. What a response. Verse 19. Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. What an incredible story. We're able to read in one span of text the word of the Lord being rare all the way to revival taking place in this place called Shiloh because of Samuel hearing from God and being obedient. And really what this text lays out for us is an opportunity today to talk about God speaking to us. And so what I want to do to kind of wrestle through this text and this topic is I want to ask and answer three questions about the voice of God and us as the people of God speaking to our Father. And here's here's the first question. Does God speak today? Does God speak today? Well, the short answer is yes, But I want to share with you a couple of biblical principles that really support my answer to that question. And here's the first one. The reason that we know God still speaks today, one, is because God does not change. God does not change. The book of Hebrews chapter 13 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday Today and forever. He is unchanging. The book of Malachi chapter 3 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Another reference is in the book of Psalms chapter 102. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them and they will be changed. But you 
are the same. And your years will not come to an end. The reason that we know God still speaks today is because God does not change. Another reason that we know God still speaks today is because God's desire has always been fellowship with his people. You see, this unchanging God has a desire to live in fellowship with us. God created us to love us and to live our lives in fellowship with him. And this principle is found throughout the scripture. We just read a story of God speaking directly to Samuel. But in other places, we see the same pattern. For example, in Genesis chapter 3, God spoke to Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham. In the book of 2 Samuel, God spoke to David. In the book of Jonah, God spoke to Jonah. In John chapter 14, God in the person of Jesus spoke to the disciples. In Acts chapter 9, God spoke to Paul. And according to 1 John chapter 1, God desires to speak to us. I love what Dallas Willard said. This is a great statement. People are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God. Speaking and being spoken So we can know with certainty this morning that God still speaks today. He is an unchanging God and his desire from the beginning has been fellowship with us. Well, that begs another question. How does God speak today? It's one thing to say, yes, God still speaks today. But the second question must be how? How does that happen? How do you and I really understand that the God of heaven can speak to our hearts and into our minds? Well, there are several ways that we want to answer that. First of all, we need to understand that in the Old Testament, God spoke through dreams, through visions, through signs, and through his audible voices. We just read in 1 Samuel chapter 3. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, God spoke directly through Jesus. But now... We are very clear about how God speaks to us. Listen to the Gospel of John chapter 16. Here's what the Bible says. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative. But whatever He hears, He will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Here's the principle. God speaks to us through the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit as we relationally seek him. In the Old Testament, he spoke in signs and visions and audible voices. In the Gospels, God spoke to us through the person of Jesus. And today, God speaks to us through the abiding presence of His Spirit as we relationally seek Him. So what does that mean? That means that the key to hearing God's voice is an intimate love relationship with Him. That's where everything rises 
and falls. Henry Blackaby said this, The key to knowing God's voice is not a formula. It is not a method you can follow. Knowing God's voice comes from an intimate love relationship with God. Because just like any other relationship, the more you know a person, the more familiar you are, the easier it is to understand what that person is saying. We could probably go around the room and give war stories, specifically the gentleman, about things your spouse was saying that you might have just missed it. I can give a laundry list of times in my marriage where I really thought I knew what my wife was saying, but I was way off. But seven years into the game, I now know her at a level that I didn't know her before, so I'm able to understand what she's saying at a whole different level. And the same thing is true when it comes to our love relationship with God. And as we walk in an abiding relationship with Him, there are some very specific things that He uses in order to speak to us. For example, the primary way God speaks to us is through His Word and prayer. There's a reason that we refer to this as the Word of God. God's primary way of speaking to us today is through His Word and as we have conversations with Him through prayer. That can happen in just your own God time. As you spend time on a daily basis before Him alone, navigating through the Scriptures, God uses His Word to speak to you. It can happen in this environment. As we gather together as God's family and we sit under the teaching of the Word, there are times when God is going to speak to you using His Word. As you spend time every day in conversation with Him, God is going to use those things to speak to you. But not just that. God also speaks to us through other people. As I walk in my relationship with Him, God uses other people to speak into my life. But also, God may also speak through our circumstances. One of the ways that God has spoken to me over and over and over again throughout my life is through difficult circumstances. For whatever reason, when I'm in pain or I'm confused or I'm frustrated and I'm walking through a difficult circumstance, God uses those circumstances in order to speak to me. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. And in my journey, every time I'm in a place, maybe you're there right now, and you're in a circumstance, and you just don't get it. You don't understand what God is saying. You don't understand why you're in that circumstance. There are three questions that I ask every time I'm in a, in a, in a vital circumstance that I don't understand. Here's the first question. God, what are you trying to teach me? Lord, I know you want to speak through this. So, Lord, what, what are you trying to teach me right now? The second question that I ask, 
God, where are you trying to lead me? Lord, you have my attention. In the middle of this difficult circumstance, I know you want to speak. Where are you trying to lead me? And the third question that I ask almost every time I'm in a difficult circumstance is, God, who are you trying to show me? Quite often when I'm in a place and I feel inconvenienced or like I'm not supposed to be there, God uses that to direct my attention to someone that I'm supposed to interact with that day. And that's why he brought me there. God's primary way of speaking to us is through his word and prayer. He also speaks to us through other people. And then he also speaks to us through our circumstances. Well, that begs a third and final question today. If we know that God speaks and we understand how he speaks to us as we walk in a relationship with him, using his word, relationships, and circumstances, how can you and I know that we have heard from God? Like, How can you know that? How can you know with certainty that God has spoken to you? Well, this is a very important question, and honestly, an area of conversation that gets abused quite a bit. There's a lot of people who love to play the card, well, I've heard from God. And I'll be honest with you, that's a dangerous card. It really is. That's not something that on a regular basis people should be saying, just throwing it around in conversation. Because a lot of times, people are presuming something, and they've not actually heard a word from God. The book of Romans has a really uh, important verse. It says in chapter 10, verse 17, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the word of God. You see, if you've not heard from God, and you're stepping out in faith in some capacity, that is presumption on God, and that is a very, very dangerous place to be. You can't step out in faith until you have clearly heard a word from God. And there's a couple of things that I want to share with you today that I believe are very important as you process through, am I hearing from God in a certain situation, whatever that might be for you. There are two guiding factors that I want to give you this morning. First of all is the consistency factor. And here's what I mean by that. God never contradicts himself. There is never a time when God contradicts himself. We have people as a pastor, you know, you just you meet with a lot of people and people will say all the time, "Well, I know the Bible says, but" and that just never ends well. It just doesn't. And so I hope if you even sense that going through your mind, moving to your mouth that you'll just grab it and stop yourself. Because that goes against the consistency factor. God will never lead you. God will never speak into your life in such a way that it contradicts his word. Dallas Willard said this in his book, Hearing from God. People who understand and warmly desire to hear God's voice will want to hear it when life is uneventful. Just as much as when they are facing trouble or big decisions. 
as you navigate through life, if the only time you are really seeking to hear a word from God is when you're in a difficult place or making a big decision, I would question your pursuit, your motives, as it relates to knowing Jesus. Because what he just said is true. The reason I can know God's voice in in a more familiar way is because I'm walking with him when life is uneventful just as much as I'm walking with him through difficult times and big decisions. The consistency factor as you seek to hear from God is a really big deal. It's what I'm hearing consistent with the word of God because God will never contradict himself. Another guiding factor that I will give you today is this, the clarity factor. God is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. That word confusion is a word that comes from the root word, which means unstable or uncertain. And if you're at a place where maybe you would say, you know what, I really need some clarity on this, but I haven't got a word from God. Well, you have. Here's the word. Wait. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, wait and pursue me. And as you pursue me in my time, in my plan, I will reveal the answer to you. There's the clarity factor. As you study throughout the Bible... Those people who clearly heard from God, they did not always like what he said, but they knew that they had heard from God because he is not the author of confusion. And in, in, our, in my life, and really in the life of most of our pastors, there are some things we look for in seeking to hear from God. And when three things really line up, we believe we're in a place where we can say, we have heard from God, and I want to I want to give those to you today. These are three things that anytime something's going on, and we are seeking the heart, seeking the face of God. When these things align, we believe we can say we have heard from God. Here's the first one: a word from the Word. As you're navigating through a decision or a circumstance and you want to know, have you heard from God? You're looking for a word from the word. That's the first one that you really need to make sure is in sync as you're seeking to hear from your heavenly father. Do you have a word from the word about whatever it is that you're wrestling with? Here's a second component. Circumstances and counsel. As you talk to people about whatever it is you're thinking through or wrestling through, what does wise counsel say? Are they in agreement? Are they affirming? Or are they telling you that maybe you're off base and you're not headed in the right direction? That's another major indicator. Because as we said earlier, God uses the people around us, those people we do life with, He uses those people to speak into our lives. And the third component is this. A sense of peace and rightness. 
Do you have peace from God about what you're navigating through? And know this. It is impossible to have a peace from God and a check in your spirit at the same time. It's impossible. And, and I, can, I can say this as someone who has made the mistake. I just did it like three weeks ago. Any time I have walked past a check in my spirit, I've always lived to regret it. Every single time. But I believe that as you're navigating, looking to hear from God, and you have a word from the word, you have affirmation through circumstances and wise counsel, and you have a sense of peace and rightness in your heart, when those three things align, I believe you can say, I have clearly heard from God. I believe that. I've seen it flesh out in my life multiple times. But those three things all must align. Because we know each one individually, we can manipulate it to make it sound the way we want it to sound. That's why it's important that you don't just have a word from the word. You don't just have a sense of peace and rightness. And you don't have one person who agrees with you. All three of those things need to align. And we can say with confidence, we have heard from God. Henry Blackaby said this, If you do not have clear instructions from God in a manner, pray and wait. Learn patience. Depend on God's timing. His timing is always right and best. Don't get in a hurry. He may be withholding directions to cause you to seek Him more intently. Don't try to skip over the relationship to get on with doing. God is more interested in a love relationship with you than he is in what you can do for him. This, this reality of hearing, clearly hearing from God is no small thing. But I believe with all my heart that God still speaks today. I believe that through the abiding presence of His Spirit, He uses the Word, He uses relationships, He uses circumstances to bring clarity as we navigate through life. And that when we are walking through a life circumstance and we have a clear word from His Word, we have affirmation through wise counsel. And we have a real sense of peace and rightness. We can say we have heard from God. I love, I love here in the book of 1 Samuel. This young boy hears from God. He had never heard from God before. He didn't even recognize his voice at first. But he hears clearly from God. And he's given a pretty tough message. But he responds in obedience with what God shared with him. And by the end of the chapter, we see the refreshing, redeeming, powerful presence of God fall back on the people of Israel because God chose to use Samuel in that process. You see, when God speaks to you, you can't just stay where you are. You're either going to respond in obedience 
or you're going to reject what he says. You could say it this way. When God speaks, we respond by joining in his activity or by rejecting his invitation. And I know in, in the midst of a, just a busy time, just a busy pace of life, specifically here in Las Vegas, it can be so easy, as Dr. Blackaby said, to move past the relationship and get on with doing. But I believe for us, in the midst of our busy lives, our busy schedules, our busy agendas, Nothing is more important than listening to what God has to say to us.